You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Praise God. The book of Matthew chapter 22, uh, we're going to be reading from verse 35 through to 40. I want to preach to you a very simple sermon entitled, Good Christian, out of the book of uh, uh, out of the book of Matthew chapter 22. How many, know, how many want to be a good Christian? How many are finding it difficult? <laughs> You're in the right place then. Hallelujah. I was reading about a, a young woman who was thrown in jail. And the reason for it is that she was involved in road rage. Upon, coming, uh, upon co- coming to a stop sign, she began to toot her horn. She began to uh, get erratic and yelling out the window and uh, uh, saying a very colorful, using very colorful language. And so what she didn't realize is right next to her was a police officer. And so the police officer's been around for some years, and so he assessed uh, the situation and without question, uh, grabbed the woman, handcuffed her, threw her in the back of his paddy wagon, and took her down uh, to uh, the police station. Upon further investigation, the man, the officer, came to the cell, apologized very deeply, and said, You are free to go. The woman was very taken back by this and thought to better ask what changed. The officer looked at her and said, well, when I saw your car, it had an array, it was arrayed with all types of stickers, one saying, choose Jesus, choose life, another sticker saying, what would Jesus do, another sticker saying, follow me to church on Sunday. And upon looking at that and how you were behaving, I automatically thought it was a stolen vehicle. The truth is, is that being a Christian is always going to be a challenge. And as Christians, we are going to face certain circumstances that will challenge us on being and uplifting and projecting the life of a good Christian. We cannot assume that Christianity is automatic. If we are good Christians, it means we have made a decisive decision to serve Jesus Christ and to apply His Word in our everyday life. And so I want to preach to you a sermon entitled, Good Christian, out of the book of Matthew chapter 22. You can read along with me starting at verse 35 through to 40. The Bible says these words. Then one of them, a, law, a lawyer, said uh, or asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love your Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With this, uh, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. Good Christian, I want to look firstly and focus on the multidimensional people that we are. 
Pastor Mitchell did a fantastic conference and began to uh, uh, look into the various different uh, uh, realities as Christians. And what we discover is more uh, than we've ever realized, that we are more complicated uh, than uh, what we realize. The truth is, is that uh, the doctors today that are practicing medicine many times are catching up uh, with the Word of God. It was the book, uh, uh, Switch On Your Brain, that speaks about uh, many times in uh, uh, previous times that doctors said there was a chemical imbalance uh, in people's lives and that's why they were beginning to act out erratic. Uh, the truth is, is that this book, Switch On Your Brain, uh, says that it is I incorrect. Many times it uh, highlights the uh, error in the human judgment that many are uh, accustomed to uh, uh, behaving in their lives, uh, and that is what is causing them to act out irrationally. What we discover in the Word of God is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Can anybody say amen? When God made you, He made us uh, in His own image. Uh, and therefore, we must understand that it is more than just the physical. Uh, it's more than just uh, what we see in the exterior. There is a multi-dimensional uh, fabric uh, of each and every one of us. Pastor Mitchell highlighted this in his sermon, A Balanced Life. And he said, we are four-dimensional people. We are relational we are spiritual, psychological, and also physical. Uh, and what he highlighted is the moment uh, that one of, this, uh, one of these dimensions in our own lives uh, is not taken care of, uh, you begin to see the effects of that uh, immediately. You cannot uh, neglect one of these areas uh, and hope that everything uh, would still functionally correctly. Now consider our text. Uh, here is a lawyer, a thinker, someone who has a, 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 a good understanding of life. Uh, he questions Jesus Christ about which one being the greatest commandment in the law and he's speaking about the ten commandments and so jesus responds to this and he brings a greater understanding he said you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind those are the first three dimensions and then secondly he speaks about loving your neighbor as yourself in other words Physically, there is a physical dimension that must uh, correlate with your relationship, love and dedication uh, to Jesus Christ and our Father in heaven. Uh, this is what consists of a multi-dimensional uh, fabric. This is why many times uh, when something is left unchecked, it has devastating effects. Now, our ability to be able to recognize this and apply, apply this to our lives will ultimately, down the line, uh, help us and prevent us from harming ourselves. What you'll see is that people who live successful lives approach uh, life in this reality. You cannot, like the lawyer, and let's just uh, uh, speculate a little bit here, the lawyer coming to Jesus uh, wanting a checklist of what he has to do. How many grew up with a little chart of having to do like the chores around the house? And it was just, have you done the, you know, did you, did you clean your room? Did you make a bed? Did you, you know, flush the toilet? All these things. And, and you check that little list. And by the end of it, you get yourself some pocket money. 
But the truth is, you can't do or approach life exactly like that. You can't go, okay, I'm going to school, check. I've sat in class, check. I got a job, check. I'm married, check. I have kids, check. Because there's more to it uh, if you're ever going to be able to uh, experience the fullness of life. Uh, you can't just say, well, I told my wife I loved her, check. There's got to be more. You have to repeat that. You have to now uh, uh, move in another, you know, you have to woo her, uh, take her out, shout her a di- you know, meal uh, and do things so that it is more than just a checklist, a part of your life. Social breakdown, uh, many uh, uh, scientists today and psychologists are saying that there is a breakdown in the social economics uh, because of the impact of uh, mobile devices. Listen to this statistics. In 2016, uh, the survey from Common Sense Media found that half of teenagers felt addicted to their devices. Hello, teenagers. 78% check their devices at least hourly. Uh, 72% of teens felt pressure to respond immediately to text, notifications, and social media messaging. Uh, A a 2015 Pew Research report found 73% of 13 to 17-year-olds had their own smartphones or had access to one, and 24% said that they were online almost uh, constantly. And so we, this article goes on to speak about the breakdown at how people today are failing in a social environment, unable to work with others. We're seeing isolation. We're seeing an advancement in anxiety and depression. And can I just say to you that when you are not aware of a four-dimensional life uh, where ultimately you are aware and paying attention to your life uh, psychologically, relationally, spiritually, and and relationally as well. uh, uh, You you fail many times uh, uh, in areas of your life and it affects every part of you uh, as you live your life. I want to look secondly this morning at more than just the physical because we were made for more than what we realize. Can anybody say amen? The longer that we're alive, we recognize that there are things that we can live out and experience and not everyone has these opportunities. We recognize that uh, uh, our lives are significant, that there is purpose and there is meaning. Uh, We can't just uh, pretend or push this aside. And let me just say this, this this reality is heightened uh, the moment we become Christians. In 1 Corinthians 6, uh, the Bible speaks about not uh, indulging in the physical, the sexual uh, lust of the world. Uh, why? Because it affects you spiritually. Uh, and it concludes in verse 20, For we were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, uh, which are God's. And so the Word of God highlights this uh, reality, being a multi uh, 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 multi. Uh, uh, dimensional person, we must be aware of these aspects of our lives. We were more, we were created for more than just existing. We were created more than just earning a few dollars. We were more, we were created more than just having a relationship. We, what we discover is a multi-dimensional life involves more than just the physical. But isn't it interesting at how the world wants you to focus on purely the physical? It's amazing at how today you go online 
And they want you to read about everything that's happening in their world. So this couple has just broken up. Uh, this couple has just gotten together. This new movie is being released. Uh, it's this, that, and the other. It matters nothing. It has no effect in eternity, but that is what the world is focused on. But what we see in our text is that God is going to be lived out in our lives in a multi-dimensional way. The first being, obviously, loving God. That our lives ought to be emanating the love of God, that we ought to have our attention drawn to our Father in heaven. And we know we do this with a right relationship in Jesus Christ, that when we give our hearts to Him, the Bible says, all things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And so now you recognize that there is a heavenly Father. He is not the eye in the sky. He is a Father that loves you, that cares about you, that laid down His only begotten Son for you. And so that alone is merited so that we would then emanate a love back to Him. The second, loving your neighbor. What we find many times is that this is where the rubber meets the road. Because many Christians operate under the assumption that all I have to do is love God and I am a full Christian. I'm a good Christian. All I have to do is, it's just me and Jesus. That's all I got to do. But Jesus goes on record and says, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. And that means that now, if we are not operating in love to a stranger or a love to someone other than ourselves or God, we are living a flawed Christian life because there is something that is lacking. See, without these two facets alive in our lives, loving God and then loving someone else or demonstrating God's love to somebody else, now there is a flaw, there is a chink in the armor. Consider the Pharisee and the tax collector that come into the presence of God. The Bible says the Pharisee gave note of how good he was. I fast, I give, I pray, I'm in this house and I'm worshiping you. I'm glad I'm not like that criminal. Well, see, there's a breakdown there. Why are you offending someone? Why are you slandering someone why are you speaking harmful words about someone else there is a flaw in his christianity and jesus makes note and says the tax collector who came and repented before god is saying i know who i am i know what i've done but i want to change he's the one that walked away with a closer relationship with god See, if we're not careful, our Christian walk uh, with Jesus Christ can become purely mechanical. Number one, only acting on things that are demanded, right? We get saved, what do I have to do now? Read your Bible. Okay, I'll read it. I've read it once. You've got to pray. All right, I'll pray. You've got to come to church. Okay, I'll come to church. What do I need to do? What are the rules? What are the standards? And instead of embracing it out of love, it becomes mechanical. It's a checklist. It's like the lawyer that came to Jesus. Which one is the greatest command? In other words, which one you want me to do the most? Only doing things when they're demanded. 
only acting out, oh, listen, brother, can you? Okay, now I will. Following rules, which is wonderful, which is great. But if all you look at the rules and regulations is a checklist, your heart's in the wrong place. Becoming mechanical. Number two, only rising up to things because you're told to. It's amazing at how there is a crying generation searching for hope. And we only witness on the Saturdays that are designated. Someone comes to you and says, you know what, I've had a hard week. And you kind of just look at them and you go, that's unfortunate. An opportunity to witness, an opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ. And we divert, we move aside, we avoid it. There's no passion, there's no drive, there's no heart. Because we only act like Christians when we're told to. You know, the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on the multitudes. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, he came out, saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them uh, many things. When was the last time you were out in your uh, workplace or just living out your life uh, and you saw something and felt compassion? had empathy, had some sympathy. Uh, Listen to me, Uh, uh, I read this morning about a bus driver that uh, uh, had a little boy come up to uh, him at the end of the bus route uh, and he said, I think I got on the wrong bus. Uh, And instead of just opening the doors and saying, you know what, I don't have time for you, you know, kid. Uh, I don't have time for you uh, and your problems. Uh, uh, This article said that he called his head office and said, I've got to take time and deliver this little boy to his front door the reason for it was he said I didn't want to think about what would have happened had I just said no I don't have time for your problems and just leave him on the side of the street how many of us have a heart a passion to serve and be instrumental for the kingdom of heaven or is it just something you do oh we have an outreach we have an outreach plan so I'll be there And that's wonderful, but what about the rest of your life, the rest of your week, the rest of your days? Could it just be purely mechanical? Number three, so we could fall into a mechanical Christian walk by only achieving the bare minimum with uh, the least effort. It's interesting at how this lawyer comes up to Jesus and says, I want to know what's the greatest commandment. Which one is it that I have to do? Just the bare minimum. Just do that one and forget the rest. I don't want to know about anything else. But it becomes now a burden, an effort to witness, to share the gospel, or even to stay saved. Where we just think, you know what, I've just got to, just got to hold on and embrace this. Hopefully and Jesus Christ takes me home sooner. Listen to me, if all you are doing is the bare minimum... A recent, uh, a recent uh, study showed the impact of reading your Bible every day. This, uh, this article goes on to say that if you read your Bible, say once or twice a week, it changes you in no way at all. Just once or twice a week doesn't have any effect on you. You begin to read it three, four or five times 
there's a change, but it's not a constant change. In fact, it's a habitual kind of, you know, going backwards and forwards and forgetting and, you know, learning a little bit, but you don't retain what you learn. They say until you actually start reading it every single day, you don't see the changes that you're supposed to. All of a sudden, addictions break. Psychological resistance issues in the mind break. These things have an effect. Listen, when we speak about reading your Bible, it's more than just ticking the boxes. Have you read your Bible today? Because God wants to speak to you. It's not about doing the bare minimum and hoping that you pass. It's our ability to tap into a spiritual dimension opens our hearts and our eyes to a real world that surrounds us. It's more than just the physical. It's more than what we see that happens around us. I want to look thirdly and in, uh, and in closing at love that conquers all. A universal language of mankind is love. It's a kind gesture. It's a compliment. It's a timely call, a text message, a warm embrace. Love is a universal language that we all love uh, to experience. Can anybody say amen? Over the course of this conference, uh, every year when we, my wife and I go back to Perth, uh, Western Australia, and go to the conference, every year, without a doubt, I always get someone that comes up to me and congratulates me for my wonderful performance on stage. Now, I have a friend that is about my height. He's also from an Italian background. He's known as pastor or now evangelist Dan Villani. And he plays an incredible guitar. He's an incredible musician. And no doubt, being an incredible musician, he's always asked to do special music throughout the con uh, uh, conference. Uh, and so he uh, uh, plays the guitar and he has a lead break and he's up there and people always walk up to him. But somehow, some people don't know him as well. Uh, they see him at a distance. They see me and they think, that must be the guitarist. And so they compliment me. They say, you did a wonderful, you're amazing, you should give out lessons. And what do I do? Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. I take the compliment, it's not even meant for me, but I still take it. Why? Because we love it. It's somebody completely different, right? But yet you just, it's that warm few words, the kind gesture. You did a great job. It's mama coming up and saying, honey, I love you. It's dad saying, I'm proud of you. And it's enough to be able to engage our thinking. Pastor Gulabev spoke about loving what you do. It's amazing at how you don't have to work if you love what you do. But can I say, how many of us love being a Christian, love serving God, love coming to church, love raising our hands and praising Him? Listen to me, the moment you begin to understand, give your life to Jesus Christ, surrender, you begin to live out a four-dimensional life where now all of you is giving praise to God, not just your mind, your soul, your spirit. It's all of you. 
that you are not just saying it with your words, but you're living it out with your life. It is demonstrable. It's observable. And as you are doing that, the Bible says, now there is something that is being engaged with your Father in heaven. Let me read our text again. Jesus said to the lawyer, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now here is this summary that Jesus brings. The law, the commandments, the words from the prophets, all were written, all were spoken, all came to demonstrate the love of God. And if you and I are not operating in that love, we're missing out on something supernatural. We're living a flawed Christianity. But can I declare to you that for those uh, that remember the love of God, for those that uh, uh, allow the love of God to touch them uh, from the inside out, now we recognize while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, it was His sacrifice uh, that was shown on the cross, cross of Calvary uh, that now we live in and operate in uh, and experience His love and His grace. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on what God has. I know that Christian life can be sometimes hard, but listen, it can be lived out. It can be lived out well. What you recognize is a f the fulfillment of God being revealed in our own personal lives. That our desires change, our attitudes change, our hearts are changed. Our perspective, our perception has changed. That's the love of God. Allow it to touch every part of you and transform you from the inside out. Let me close with this story, a missionary story by Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor is a missionary going out into all the world and preaching the gospel. But he was taking a group of youth, youth people from his church. And so he asked them one question. Why do you wish to go to a foreigner missionary country, a, a foreign country to do missionary work. One replied, because Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Another said, because millions are dying without ever he having heard uh, of Jesus Christ. Others similar gave the same answer, but it was not what Taylor was seeking. He replied, all your motives are good, but I fear that you will fail in times of severe testing and tribulation, especially if you are confronted with the possibility of having to face death uh, for your testimony. He said, the only motive uh, that will enable you to remain true in stated, uh, is stated in 2 Corinthians 5.14, uh, Christ's love uh, constraining you uh, will keep you faithful uh, in every situation. Consider what Hudson Taylor was saying. When you allow the love of God to constrain you, that word is also compel you, it now directs every course of your life and you are not living a life according to what you say or how you feel, but rather according to what 
God said and what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. A good Christian applies that scripture to their life and makes it the main focus. Let love, let the love of God conquer your life. Let it allow, allow it to manifest in every area of your life and experience all the blessings that follow with that. I want every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. A good Christian. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, no one's moving around just for a few moments. I want to give an opportunity for anyone that's here. Firstly, you're unsaved or maybe you're backslidden. 